0: and welcome back to the Home Stretch podcast where today we have well we've got a veritable data feast for you as we're joined by Anthony Codling, Head of European Housing and Building Materials Research at the Royal Bank of Canada. That's quite the mouthful Anthony. Um, You kindly give us your market and economic updates kind of every few months so we're very grateful that you continue to agree to come back so thank you Anthony for joining us.
1: Well, pleasure to be here, as always. Thank very you for the good. invite.
0: And if you are an avid fan of the home stretch, then you might remember that over Christmas we did an episode on the Boxing Day Bounce with Chris Watkin. It was very well-received, as of course we knew it would be, um, and as it transpired that Ian McKenzie, our regular host, was on holiday this week, well, it only made sense that I asked Chris if he would come back and help me to host this episode with Anthony. So thank you, Chris, for agreeing to come in and fill Ian's shoes today.
2: Absolute pleasure. Uh, Yeah, and I hope you're enjoying yourself, Ian, on your holiday.
0: (laughs) And as I said, you guys are definitely the data kings. So I was hoping for this episode, as it's only our second episode in 2024, I was hoping that we could do a bit of a dive on the property market the outlook for this year and looking a little bit back on how we ended last year i know we touched on that a little bit in your episode chris um but anthony welcome back for 2024 shall we start with you the floor is metaphorically yours shall we start with perhaps house prices if that's a good place to start
1: yes indeed um and you know even though ian's not here to to hold me to the fire i will so this time last year I was saying house prices going to fall eight to ten percent, which you know was bad news. Um, not not as big a fall as some people were saying, um, but turned out I was completely wrong. The, um, the the latest Halifax data that's come out said house prices actually went up one point seven percent in twenty twenty three. So always happy, always happy to be wrong on house prices when I take a, a negative view. But I thought it's fascinating that you know the those kind of scare scenarios we had following the the mini budget um, have not, you know, have not come to pass. And with every passing day it seems to become ever less likely. Even the lenders, you know, are reducing um, their negativity towards um, house prices. So I think that's a, a positive start for 2024.
0: Yeah, and we're only actually 15 days in as it goes at the moment at the time of this recording. What sort of so have you got data from the last kind of two weeks or how far in advance does the house price data go?
1: Yeah, so so we've had um kind of anecdotal commentary from some of the big house builders already this year. Um and you know they they the things they're reporting is kind of consistent with um RightMove's commentary and right we've had their asking price index out this morning. So house builders are telling us that they also those that had Boxing Day um, campaigns um, saw saw good activity levels, but they've also seen, they said, higher quality levels of inquiries so far this year. So people, you know, really on the case, really want to move, really got all of their their stuff together, they're prepared, they they kind of they want to transact, and some of the house builders are saying, you know, they've that's enabled them. They've been kind of pushing up testing the market prices two to three percent and not getting you know not seeing any fall in demand so you know whilst they were caveating it was very early days as you pointed out only 15 days into the year it's it started on the front foot which which they are pleased about
0: Chris, we actually spoke about the Boxing Day bounce, didn't we, um, in, in our last episode, Anthony, just brought up there that Rightmove uh, sh- shared some data on that. I saw something recently. Did you have anything to add to that, Chris? Well, again,
2: this is where we've got to decide is is what is average house price? You know, the, the Rightmove are judging asking prices, whilst the Land Registry is judging the prices achieved. And there is a huge difference between what is asked and what is achieved and the gap between them. So it's really important that when we are looking at metrics of what's happening in the property market and people use the phrase house prices, we've got to know what exactly are we measuring? Because there is a massive difference between an asking price and what is achieved. So that you know, I and The problem is with what's achieved is that unfortunately it's always out of date because that's the very nature of of the UK property market. You see, I find it fascinating that the British are obsessed with judging property prices. You know, um, it's funny, I, I always think predicting house prices is like trying to catch a leaf in the wind. You can follow the patterns, you can understand the science, but ultimately a sudden gust can change everything. And housing markets are influenced by so many variables like the economy, interest rates, government policy, even sentiment. And I think the key isn't to predict with exactitude what the price is, but to understand the factors well enough to make educated estimates and hedge against uncertainty. You know, even the best of the best, which is Sir Anthony Coddling, who, you know, I'm a Stato, but I look up to Anthony. He was 10% off, but... Savills were saying 15% off at the start of this year and everyone was saying 8% off. You know, we, the range was 8 to 15. You know, why didn't house prices drop in 2023? And fundamentally, it really came down, in my opinion, to to, to three major things I think it, it came down to. It came down to this. The big one has got to be and again, Anthony, I know you'll agree with me on this one. Is the mortgage affordability testing, the stress testing that the, the mortgage review that came in in 2014 with, with the Bank of England, you know, they that people have been stress tested up to six or seven percent. They're now being stress stress tested up to eight or nine. So I think the biggest, most influential factor on why house prices haven't dropped. Is the introduction of these stricter mortgage affordability rules since fourteen? We've also had lender restraint. You know, lenders have been adopting policies to support many households struggling with repayments in the last twelve or eighteen months, effectively reducing the number of forced sellers and maintaining market stability. And then, if you actually look at the repossession numbers and those that are actually in debt, the numbers and, and my heart goes out to those people but when the newspaper saying double the amount of people with two months or more mortgage in arrears, yeah, it does sound awful, but the numbers are really, really small compared to the bigger market. But again, my hearts go out to the ones that are in debt. And then of course you've got the labor market, you know, late, you know, we've had 7.3% growth in average earnings this year. It's, those are the three, you know, so instead of focusing on house prices or what's happening to them, I think the biggest thing is why haven't they dropped and why won't they drop? But then there's the other question, which I know Anthony and I, we could talk for hours on this, is should we be measuring the house market on house prices? Anthony, back to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's let's bear in mind this isn't a four-hour long episode. We have got half an hour. So, um, one thing that I did pick up that you said, Chris, one of the factors that um, obviously means fluctuation in house prices is employment status and, and the labour market. Anthony, I know that Ian quite likes some of your stats on employment rates and so forth, and I know that wasn't in our discussion mm-hmm. points, so have you got any of those figures that we can touch upon?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the thing the media you know, is always slow to report on is rising wages, because you know, that clearly... House prices, whether or not they're a good measure of the housing market, house prices are driven um, in some respects by how much we earn in nominal terms, in nominal terms, because your mortgage is a multiple of what you can borrow. And mortgage is not based on this you know, this thing economists like talking about real terms and real income and real this. And, you know, I don't understand what real is because, you know, I think you, the prices you pay in the shops, the prices you see advertised, you know, that is nominal prices and that's what we pay and I think that's what's in people's minds you know I don't go into the supermarket and say oh tin of beans is 97p but in real terms it's pound twenty. no you just you just pay you just pay that I, I agree entirely with what um, Chris says on the the mortgage um, stress testing that was the fantastic that they brought that in on the, on the mortgage market review um, but I, I also think what's propping up not propping up I, I think underpinning House prices is the the limited supply of homes for sale. So we've seen a you know twenty percent. I think it's going to be a twenty percent drop in housing transactions for this year. We're down twenty percent in the year to uh, November, and if we see similar kind of seasonally. Average transaction levels in December that'll be down 20%, and I think that takes the hit because those those people who aren't putting their homes on the market, you know, helps with there being there being fewer buyers. And yeah, you know, we saw that in the in the global financial crisis where house prices only fell 20% or not just under 20%, but housing transactions halved. Yeah. And I think if we hadn't seen housing transaction halved, then we would have seen house prices fall. And the other big change from the early 90s, again, as Chris alluded to, is that the banks are just being much more friendly to mortgage holders. So you can get payment holidays, you can go to interest only. The last thing they want to do is repossess people's homes, whereas in the early 90s, you know, that that we had a different strategy in place. And so I think we've got a much more supportive lending backdrop, which again, helps people stay in their homes. And so that the number of people, as Chris says, whilst it's awful if you're going through it, those, those numbers are much, much lower than they would have been had we not had mm-hmm. these changes in policy.
2: And, and I think, Holly, this is, the, this is where it's affecting estate agents. You know, the, the simple fact is this, is that if there's 25% less transactions, that means there's 25 percent less exchanges that you can earn money on, and my heart goes out to estate agents. Now, of course, house prices have risen, so therefore you're charging a percentage. But then, if you look at all the data, um, agents' fees are still on a trajectory of a of a of a of a downward trend. And you know, I find it fascinating that apart from organisations like the Guild. And the top 50 biggest estate agents, you know there's over eleven and a half thousand estate agents, firms out there, excluding the top 50 in the guild, I can only count nine estate agency trainers to train and develop your staff, and if you're just relying on the mar- the training that you got from countrywide when you were a, a young lad or a young lass from the 1990s, that's not going to cut the mustard in this world. And I think that's that's my biggest fear of estate agencies is that if you're still doing it the same way you did 20 years ago and you're not training and developing your valuers to get maximum value out of what you offer the vendor, then you're you, the only thing people got to judge you on is your fee. And that's why there's been a down, downward trajectory. Now, interesting, just talking quickly about fees, most people blame Purple Bricks for the downward trend in fees. If you actually look at the stats from the From the Property Academy, that they took out the Sunday Times Award now the best estate agent guide. The average fee in two thousand and six was one point six percent. The average fee today is one percent. Most of that drop took place before two thousand and fourteen. Most of that drop in fees took place before two thousand and fourteen, which is the year that Purple Bricks came on. And we are guilty of not extract, of not pushing our worth, our value, because you know as well as I do. There is lots of rubbish estate agents out there, but if you join the likes of the Guild or other ones are available, like RAN, I have to do say that, Holly, I do apologise in advance, then being part of such an organisation, getting the training the guidance and development, then you can prove your worth and get the fees that you deserve, because quite frankly, it doesn't really matter what happens to house prices in a estate agency, it's the transactions that are most important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We have to provide balance on here, and of course, The Guild is a great way to ensure that you are trained and that you are compliant and all of those sorts of things and to help you get those fees that there are lots of other different um, avenues and so forth available. So I saw in the negotiator this morning that there was um there was a breaking news piece about there being five thousand estates and letting high street shops closing over 2023. If that number if the number of estate agents has gone down, how much has that gone down in terms of if you're saying there's 25% less of the pie for transactions? Do well, estate agents need to work 25% harder? Or are they up against less well, competition?
2: Well, um, let's just give you some facts for every 100 houses that left an estate agent's books in 2023 they only exchange contracts on 52 percent of them
0: yes you did give us some quite good figures in your yep. awesome day um you. episode that we can okay. have a look back on
2: but here's another fact th- is this is that only uh 40 percent of estate agents in the uk in 2023 listed more than 50 properties um you know Anthony, you fill in because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pre- pull up this the contract stats because it blew my mind. It's blew yeah. I,
1: so I remember when I, initially I was modelling kind of the top-down estate agency market when I was covering companies like Right Move and when we did the, the kind of the when we floated Zoop on the stock market, you know, we kind of modelled from every, you know, model for every branch, uh, very very kind of bottom up as well as, as top down, and we thought that break-even. Was around four uh, selling four properties um, a month for an estate agency branch, and then after that, you have to start cutting costs to make it work. And I think what was fascinating again, learning from the the, the credit crunch, we saw a huge drop, right? Fifty percent transactions, twenty percent of uh, house prices. And I think all that does to your fee, you've got a, a reduction of twenty percent in in the the house prices which you're charging a fee on, and then Halving the total income, so your your fee pool is going down by kind of seventy percent, and yet the number of branches that we lost during that time was just twenty percent. So what that tells you is that there was an awful lot of belt tightening. There was you know an awful lot of reduction in staff numbers at branches, but you know the majority of um, agents are still family owned, family run businesses. You know, and they just kept the lights on and tightened the belts you know they had good years 2004 5 6 7 and then they had the years of 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 famine you know 2008 9 10 and so we're kind of seeing a bit of that and a bit of restructuring i think there's also the in the stats which chris will know better than i will, the kind of virtual branches um that that Rightmove will talk about these days where you know it's based on kind of the, the average number of lettings per branch. They'll then say that's a virtual branch. So they might include not actual physical branch numbers in their stats.
2: I mean, here's some stats. Out of the 11,400 estate agents in the UK, only 1,660 of them exchanged on 100 properties or more last year.
1: <laughs> well, so that's kind of two a week, isn't it? And I say we think break-evens, one on average, one a week. and that will that will be skewed obviously um it won't be the number. and of course what we're not factoring in there is the you know the the the
2: uh, the lettings lettings and but they're firms not offices right okay yeah yeah so must stress that so the numbers will be there per offices yeah i mean the the what is quite interesting is is that is that the top 100 estate agents have a huge chunk and the tail is so long Mm. in estate agencies how do you break through from just being in the top three? Which, you know, if you're in the top three estate agents, you're automatically going to be called out for most of the vows. How do you break through that long tail and be one of the three agents called out? I mean, I, I find it fascinating that most estate agents do their marketing the same way, where they brag about themselves and how awesome they are, just like the person at the party. And we all know what we think to the person who talks about themselves night like at the party.
0: So how about... Um... Transactions in terms of figures. Where did exactly we end on twenty twenty three?
1: So we're currently at so the year to November we're about nine hundred and forty two thousand. This is the HMRC data, so it's not the gold standard land registry, but that we'll get that in a few months' time. But it's not a bad proxy, and we're kind of expecting around eighty thousand transactions to have happened in December. So that would take us kind of to one point oh two uh million. Now, I was forecasting 960,000, so it was a bit light. I was I was forecasting kind of 20 25% reduction um from a really busy year in 22. So it's looking like it's going to be down about 20%. But this year, you know, I'm I I think we'll be back up. I am forecasting 20% 18 or well, 18% for spurious actually, but 20% increase in transactions this year, um which hopefully is <laughs> I hope it's good news for listeners out there. I mean, whether you can rely on what I say—that's, I mean, that's for your own mind to be made up. But I, th- I think what's what's driving that is for the so the key thing I'm watching like a hawk at the moment is CPI, consumer price inflation, and we have got data coming out on Wednesday. And essentially, why am I looking at that? Because the Bank of England is using has it is trying to control, trying to get that down to two percent. And we're kind of just below four at the moment. And as soon as that starts coming close or or they think it's stabilised, we'll start to see bank rate come down because that's the big tool they're using to, to beat CPI around the, around the head. And so I think during this year, we'll see bank rate come down and obviously that will lead through to lower mortgage rates. And we're already seeing high levels of competition in the mortgage market in January. So some of the big banks kind of reducing slashing lending rates, which again shows that A, they want to do more business and B, they are for themselves feeling more comfortable about the, the temperature and the strength of the underlying housing market. If we couple that with wage increases, you know, people can people can borrow more. And then I think, you know, whichever way the election goes, yeah, you know, there will be a housing market stimulus. We might get a housing market stimulus in March in the budget and you know the things I'm hearing are the usual suspect of stamp duty, but stamp duty not only cuts for um, kind of first-time buyers or targeted first-time buyers, but also um, incentives for downsizers. You know, my own view is that stamp duty is such a blunt tool and doesn't really work because all we see is huge spikes in transactions, like an essay crisis at school. Um, huge, huge spike in activity levels just before the deadline. Um, but I think the thing we did learn from stamp duty holiday during the uh, COVID pandemic was, you know, all the talk about affordability and houses are unaffordable and this and that and the other. But, you know, it always staggers me that the average house price went up 10 times the amount of the stamp duty saving, right, which shows you just how much money, there is sloshing around for those who can afford it. Now, I'm not going to get all Howard Davis. So I'm not saying that everyone can afford to buy a house, but what I'm saying is that people do. You know, affordability is not as stretched for those that can buy as the market makes out.
2: Bad news sells newspapers. Interesting. I've got some stats up until Friday morning. Okay, so that was so up till midnight the on the eleventh. In uh, in 2023, fifteen thousand seven hundred and thirty five properties sale agreed it's from the first to the eleventh of January 2023. That figure uh, for this year was forty two percent higher at twenty two thousand four hundred. So we okay. A swallow doesn't make a spring. Is I think that is it, is that what they say? Summer, summer, yeah, summer or whatever. Yeah, you go. Um. So it, the the. That January started well, but again, let's not all get let's not get the champagne on ice just yet.
0: Correct. I think that uh, in in the kind of news and in the public eye, the kind of sentiment is feels much more positive at the turn of the new year, doesn't it? I think people are being cautious, but in terms of sentiment, not data, people seem to be more positive.
2: Hence, why what 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 Anthony said is is that people were prepared; they were happy to save. 3000 pounds on stamp duty, but pay 10 grand more. Yeah. You know, it's like when you it's like the, you know, when you go to Marcel Spencer's and and they have the, the, you know, you can buy one packet of salmon for £5.50, or you can buy two for a tenner, and you think, whoa, i got to get two packs, but then when you actually look at the salmon that's below in the in the uh, plastic container, you can buy the same salmon one for four pounds fifty. So you're actually being screwed over. By saving money but the perception is i've saved money but you've got to remember use the word sentiment ollie humans are not logical
0: yeah definitely and that's a good good uh, um, anecdote that um so one of the other things that has been kind of fluctuating well on the up uh mortgage rates and surrounding mortgages have you got any data on mortgage approvals and things for the um tail end of 2023 stable
1: i mean stable stable i think i think we're going to see improvements so Yeah. The, the one the one prediction that i did get right i mean i made loads right so getting one doesn't you know but i i i did say i was on record of saying that bank rate would peak at 5.25 um and and it has done now throughout the early part of 2023 because oh your estimate's too low Anthony and then oh your estimate's too high Anthony but I didn't change it so quite happy with that one and I think I think we are as I kind of alluded to we are going to see that that come down and you know I'll I'll put my neck on the line I think we're going to end 2024 at 3.75 bank rate okay. which I think is much more bullish than than most um but that's that's yeah that's my gut feel well, and, as you said,
0: you have got a good track record on your on your estimates for bank rates. So, Chris, sorry, what were you going to say? I,
2: I find it fascinating that we call ourselves property experts, but with a little bit of knowledge and, and a bit of Google, we can be quite knowledgeable ourselves. Um, Anthony, putting you on the spot here, in layman's terms, what looking at swap rates and how they affect mortgage rates, could you explain to our listeners why swap rates, whilst they're not the be all and end all, are certainly a great guide on where mortgage rates are going? Just so we connect, ex- so, so we can tell the ladies and gentlemen listening to this. Because if you don't know this, and because you're going to get asked this question on the on the sofa when you're doing the valuation, you know swap rates are really important. Not the be all and end all.
1: The way to think about interest rates is they're like share prices and house prices. They move all the time. Right, they're moving. Minute by minute in in the markets, and so when we talk about oh a two year fixed rate or a five year fixed rate or a ten year fixed rate, right? Someone is that that is a product overlaying what's actually going on with the interest rates um, to stabilise it, and so someone has said, I'll tell you what, if you pay me X, I will give you a flat interest rate for two years, five years, ten years, and. They whatever they view that risk as. So if I think I'll make money, if I so say Chris wants to fix his mortgage rate, I say like, tell you what, Chris, if you pay me X, I'll fix it for you, and that X is essentially the swap rate. And so if those swap rates are coming down, so this is the amount charged over the the London overnight borrowing rate. So it's the it's the, the um, amount I would charge to fix your rate. So if those are coming down, that means that those people in the market for these fixed rate mortgages are saying, I think there's less risk and less uncertainty. So swap rates coming down is really good for fixed rate uh, mortgages, because it means the prices of them is likely to come down. And why is that? Because if, if a swap rate is, so we, we we try and make things overly complicated, but so half a percent Point 0.5 is 50 basis points in, in kind of interest rate speak. And so, if the swap rate has gone from 100 basis points to 50 basis points, I don't need to charge the mortgage
2: person with a mortgage as much because
1: it's costing me less to provide that fixed rate mortgage.
2: There you go, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it here first from the main man himself that keep an eye on swap rates. Obviously, keep away. There's a volatility, but it's a general trend. And that will give you an idea where mortgage rates are going. Back to you, Holly.
0: Anthony has told us before what swap rates are. And I do think that you put it in such a way that it is easy to understand and more more tangible than perhaps it is sometimes portrayed in the media, (laughs) I would say.
2: But we as agents need to know this. Because at the end of the day, if you, you come back to the fee, if all you're doing is turning up at the house saying, we put you on Rightmove, we'll put you on Zoop, we'll take some nice photographs and we'll measure up your house, then you're just as bad as everyone else and you're, you're a homogenized estate agent. And yeah. remember, you know, if you say the right things, look knowledgeable, if you look at all the reports on how do people choose estate agents, people are looking for someone they trust. How do you get trust? You get it by the questions you ask not by the statements you make
0: yeah i think that that is the real differentiator uh, as of recent years especially is kind of being able to show on this on the sofa as you say that you're knowledgeable that you know what's going on in the market even if you're not pushing your own services to let people know that you know what's going on and to help them make an informed decision about who they want to go with even if it's not yourself that puts you in the absolute best stead i think indeed So the final thing, I think it's the final thing because we've been had a really great conversation so far and I know that there's been a bit of noise in the media lately, Anthony, um, in the state agent media about a couple of mergers and acquisitions. Do you want to tell us a little bit more?
1: Yes, so last week we heard that Two of the biggest um, franchised groups of estate agents, so the property <laughs> the imaginatively named the property franchise group um and Belvoir, or as some of my clients call it beaver um have announced have announced a merger and um I mean they say merger if you if you look at the detail it looks in my mind it's it's a takeover um property franchise group have taken over belvoir you know wh- why do I think that um, well, if you look at who's on the top table, it's basically the property franchise group uh, management have, have stayed in situ. And the you know, the majority of the Belvoir board um, are going to be exiting the business. And I think it's it, it's fascinating in my work for banks. So we, we do involved in lots of these um, transactions and they always tend to happen at the top or the bottom of a market. Um, or the turning points and I I would say this is a you know this is positive for the market because you've got two good strong businesses right Belvoir really good business property franchise group again a good business they're good at doing what they're doing and they're saying essentially you know we are we are stronger together and um, you know they I I say take over I mean in all seriousness you know clearly both management teams and both key teams of shareholders have been you know pursuing this and diligently discussing what's best for the overall group and they've you know reached the decision that this is the best way this, the best way forward so you know I didn't mean to be overly flippant to start with but it's like you know this is this is something that that kind of Dorian has been involved in and thought long and hard about as well so I think yeah I think it's a, a, a good result for them and I think it's a um, yeah a good signal for the market that things are improving that it's worth investing in growth
2: i'm i'm hearing on the grapevine that there are some larger state agency chains we're not talking about the big boys well there's only one real big one at the moment isn't there but some of the big regional players you might see some uh some some brink coming together soon i mean look at what um, dexter's and kinley's um you know that was announced just before christmas that is yeah you know, mind blowing what what is particularly interesting is this is that dexter's exchange on 30 percent of the properties they they put on the market, whilst Kinley's exchange on 56% of the properties. So hopefully Kinley's can upgrow Dexter's and hopefully not the other way round, otherwise they'd be paying a lot of money for something. These are interesting times. Um, Yeah, interesting times, but you're always gonna get mergers and acquisitions um, in in this market. Can't say really add any more than that.
0: So to just bring this episode to a close, let's do a little bit of a I know that Ian would want me Anthony to get some hard figures from you so what do you where do you see 2024 going what direction so you you did um say a couple of figures earlier so what do you think for house prices
1: yeah i i I you know I was wrong last year saying they're going down i I think they I think they're gonna go up five percent
0: up five percent okay five percent transactions you did say as well but let's recap
1: yeah so you know eight, eighteen percent, but let's say 20 percent. i think you know transactions are gonna be up significantly um this oh. year i think they're gonna regain um you know they, they're gonna be back i think they're gonna be back at the normalized level which we've seen you know for a number of years excluding the the impact of covid around the 1.2 million mark is what i'm anticipating okay. um so from just above a million for 2023 um and i think Bank rate will end the year at 3.75, down from 5.25. So huge, huge falls. I don't think many people are saying such big falls, but I am.
0: And do you Happy think my neck out. It, it will get to 3.75 and then kind of plateau, or go back up, or go back, keep going down in 2025? Or is that too far off to even begin to? Yeah, I, I think you know,
1: got, there's a lot, there's a lot happening what, with elections and 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 stuff. I, mean, I I think the I think the period of ultra low um, interest rates and bank rate are is, is over. I appreciate you know you should never say never, but we have been in an incredibly unusual time um, with bank rate. To be honest, since the since the credit crunch, you know, it's been unusually low. Um, yeah, until the credit crunch. You know i would say that your your kind of benchmark normalized mortgage rate was six percent and now if you say that now yeah yeah you,
0: know,
1: you know my because i'm so old my, my first my first mortgage at 6.79 floating mm-hmm. So i didn't believe in fixing so people are making money out of me with these swap rates <laughs> i'll take it on the chin
0: and now we're, we're saying well i remember last year we were obviously saying five percent new normal for um for mortgage rates and everything. So yeah, Chris,
1: but I... if sorry, yeah, but if, if okay. inflation comes down, if you know if you know we hopefully, God willing, these wars end and we return to a bit more normality, then yeah. Could be more so, stable.
0: So Chris, when Anthony was talking about transactions there, I did see you shake your head a little bit. What what do you think? What's your foresight?
2: Okay, so let's just let's go on what I agree with Anthony. Yeah um, um I thought it's all about following the money, and the money is saying what Anthony is saying. So, again, without there being a black swan event, then I, it's going to be that sort of level in terms of, of mortgage rates. In terms of house prices, again, it's it's put a finger in the, in the sky. You know, isn't it interesting that if we look at the difference between nominal, which is the headline price, and real, house prices are in real terms A lot lower today than they were a couple of years ago. So, actually, in real terms, it's cheaper to buy a house.
1: No one buys in real terms, Chris.
2: Yes, I know. Okay. Transaction levels. Depends when the uh, election is because there is nothing happens in the month before the election. Okay. So, everything comes to a grinding halt. That will be people agreeing to buy a house or not. Okay. So, it depends when that happens. Now, if that happens in the autumn, then that will affect transaction levels next spring because we're talking we're going through to exchange and completion. Again, if the government bring in some form of stamp duty uh, sweetener in the next when is the next budget? I don't think 6th of March. Okay. well, the question is this, is that going to kick in in time to make a difference on transaction levels? Because it did obviously a couple of years ago when transaction level went up to about one point four million. And again is it going to be countered by what's going to happen in the in the election and the thing i i don't know I, i'm i mean i i'm thinking nearer late nines early ones we're not a million miles away from each other i'm probably just not as optimistic as, as as my as my learned friend but again the magic thing is this that number is almost irrelevant holly your job as an estate agent is to get a bigger go and plunder off other agents in terms of getting your market share first time round so you get called out for more valuations number two do you have a robust system to go and get the stuff that you lost or weren't called out to and just do do the basics i find it fascinating that how estate agents don't do the basics it doesn't matter what happens to house prices it doesn't matter what happens to to interest rates it doesn't matter the magic thing is this are you getting your fair share of the business are you being called out to enough valuations and when you do get called out to the valuations are you getting them on at the right price and servicing them? And if you're losing them, walk away from them with your head held high. But then are you making it easy for the vendor to come back to you when you said it was 200 and they put it on for Pratt, Estate state agent at 250? Because we know we don't make it easy for agents. We go, ha ha, told you so, told you I was right. But then they don't come back to you because they go to another agent down the road. We I, I find it fascinating the way agents think we have to think more holistically. Remember, we are here to serve the people. A state agency isn't here to serve us.
1: I'd say, I say I echo that. I think you know, kind of anecdotally, one of my friends, you know, they they did use a it was a guild member, and they put their house on, and they within a week they had four offers at asking price, and they said to me, Andrew, we miss price. Should we put the price up? And I said, Well, if you you found the home you want to move into, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's our dream home. It's our forever home. I said, Well, this agent, you know it's so switched on it's found you four people willing to transact at the price you're happy with to enable you to buy the dream home you know that is the sign of a good agent you know that what you don't want to do is hold out for something and lose this house that you really want to buy and i'd say that's you know the agent that has the contacts the local knowledge is is the one to go for and i said in this case it was a guild member
2: i wouldn't expect anything less and that's that's it why are they moving what is their motivation okay I think we lose sight from that as an industry. Notice I use the word industry, and not profession. I think when we start acting like professionals and thinking like professionals and giving advice like professionals, then we can call ourselves a profession. At the moment, we're just an industry.
0: Well, what a great way to end this episode on a slightly controversial, very, walk-in, master yeah, very walk-in statement. Well, thank you both for joining us, well, us, just me, today. Really, really appreciate it, because I know that you're both incredibly busy gentlemen being pulled in every direction. So (laughs) thank you again for joining us, and I'm sure that we will speak to you very, very soon.
2: Thank you very much, Holly.
0: Thank you. Bye.